It was 10 years ago from this very month uh, that the wheels first started falling off and uh, the situation that we were in with our child, but it is still a source of uh, pain and loss, even though we're still engaged and involved. There are times that parenting kids that have a lot of extra challenges can be overwhelming and it can be detrimental to our health and destroy relationships and break apart families. On today's show, we've got parents who went through really hard situations and came out the other side having thrived. And we're going to find out some tips from them. No easy answers, but we're going to find out how they did it today on Thrive Parenting. Welcome to our second episode of Thrive Parenting. I'm Jenny Owens, the author of Dancing with the Porcupine. And I'm Lynn Owens. I'm the co-founder and uh, owner and therapist at Canyon Lakes Family Counseling Center, where I help with children. And uh, Jenny, we made it to our second episode. It's a milestone for us, right? (laughs) Isn't that amazing? Woohoo! I can tell you right now what our focus is going to be. Now, that may change over the years, but we really feel like there's a lot of advantage to just focusing on the positives. And there's so much hard stuff out there to hear in this world of parenting kids with challenges that we could just get discouraged all the time if that's all we ever talked about. And as we're traveling around the country, seeking the beautiful things, and we're just seeing so many great stories and we want to be bringing those stories to you every week. And, and additionally though, there are some really hard topics and it seems like it's pretty impossible to tackle, to, to get good answers. There's no clean answers to some of these topics, but the discussions are really important. And so today we're bringing you one of those topics where it's about the discussion. It's about the process. And uh, I don't promise you to wrap this up neatly with a bow or to have three points and a poem at the end and inspiration for this is exactly how your life is going to be wonderful. But when we named the Thrive Parenting groups and the podcast, it's because we think that it's possible, even in the hardest situations, at least we hope it is, <laughs> that it's not, we, it's not enough to just survive. But we think that you can thrive and that there's a, there are great things that come out of this really hard work. And I hope that's true, but I wanted to talk about that today because maybe that's simplistic. Um, maybe that's not true. And we just thriving is just enduring. I, I don't know. And I'm pretty excited about today's uh, panelists. This is a, a good conversation I've been wanting to have just in general for a long time. Yeah. Yeah. Um, um, these are people that we've met in our journey and um, really just been impressed with that they're doing mentally, they're doing well mentally mm-hmm. and emotionally and, um, you know, have gone through some very challenging situations. So um, we have Brad and Lisa Henderson from Texas. Hello, Brad and Lisa. Hello. Mm-hmm. Brad and Lisa are not lightweights when it comes to parenting. Uh, they have 10 kids. And uh, Dr. Brad Henderson is an adjunct professor at Western Seminary and is the uh, lead pastor at uh, Trinity Baptist Church in Richardson, Texas. So thanks guys for being with us today. Also with us is Michelle Huffaker, and she's calling in from Salem, Oregon. And uh, Michelle and her husband have spent the last 20 years supporting and training parents of autistic kids in North Africa, of all places, where things like autism and other special needs are really considered uh, shameful. And uh, well, those kids don't go out into public much there. And so she, I think, kind of gets what she's talking about when it comes to raising kids with extra challenges. And uh, lastly, we have Ann Nash, and Ann was uh, and well, was a licensed mental health counselor in Washington State, uh, but now she is uh, working in human resources at a Fortune 500 company, and uh, is a mother of five herself. 
So uh, welcome, guys, and thanks all for being here today and uh, tackling this really difficult subject with us. All, for all of you guys, I've watched your lives and I've seen endurance, I've seen optimism, I've seen uh, an incredible resilience mm -hmm. that, is, that has inspired me. So in this work of raising kids that have needs for extra supports, I've been motivated, I guess, in my professional career to, to tackle this topic because it's touched me personally. I've I've had family members who've had who have taught the kids <laughs> they've had extra challenges and it's been devastating to their health to the point where I believe it's a big factor in their death. And I've seen families devastated, I've seen marriages end, and I've seen it's just I've seen the, the devastation. But with the, with you all, I've seen hope. Mm -hmm. So here's my first question, really, for each of you. And um, why don't we start this time with you, Anne? Why do you guys continue to do well when others in doing the similar kinds of work struggle? And before you answer that, Anne, let me just tell you this. We're not going to go into the details of the stories of any of our panelists today. It's enough for you to know that they've been in the hardest of circumstances. And... Um, and have come on the other side. So I don't want to say this is like it's just easy peasy, whatever. So yeah, that's why we chose today's panels as well. So Anne, yeah. why why does why do you guys end up um, doing well? Or at least that's what it looks like to us. <laughs> <laughs> well, I guess from uh, Bob and my perspective, um, we absolutely believe that each child that came to us was given to us by God to take care of. And uh, other uh, couples have asked us or, or talked about, I, I want to do foster care. I want to adopt. Um, and I really caution them that if that is not something that God has asked you to do, don't do it. Because in the hardest times, you have to know God trusted you with this. And so that I, we always have to go back to God trusted us with this and wanted us to do this. So that, that gives us the strength sometimes when it's, uh, when it's tough. But we also um, had a strong marriage when we started. So I think that's, um, that's a piece of it. But we also have to work really hard at that. It's not something that just comes easy. We have to go in the room, close the door, and hash out whatever's going on. Um, so I think that's, that's a piece of, of that part. I also think that when you look at these kids, and I always, for my own sake, look at where they would be if it wasn't for us. And then I think, okay, well, I'm not doing that bad of a job. <laughs> if it wasn't, you know, <laughs> if um, if you look at the path that would have been taken versus the path that they're on, um, then you just kind of take a breath, like yeah. like you said, Brad. Uh, you, you just take a breath and go, okay, it's still better than it would have been uh, when you're kind of beating yourself up that it isn't perfect. I want to land on that one before we move on to the other answers on that because one thing I hear quite often is why do I bother? None of my work made a difference anyway. They ended up, they ended up with all these problems anyway. Um, you know, and, and I wrestle with that, but I see the heart of our three kids, um, the empathy, the moments when they can share the, their real love for other people. Mm -hmm. And I think in God's eyes, none of that is wasted. I mean, we can look at that with um, kids that were, were born to us um, and say, was it worth it? Because sometimes that doesn't go the way you expect, right? Mm -hmm. So I just think that um, all these moments count. All these moments count. And any time that we can add 
what you talked about at the very beginning, something positive to the world and something that shows love and unconditional love. I, I think that's not wasted regardless of what the end point is. That's a good point. The rest of you had anything to add on that? Oh, go ahead. Jenny. Oh, I just, um, <clears throat> I think in my experience, it was so, like you said, it was so much easier to look at how far I felt like we had to go rather than how far we'd come. And I think that's, that's a really important point. I was going to say, I think it's, I think you're absolutely right about that. That one of the things that, that you have to remember, you got to back, you got to get high altitude sometimes and get yeah. out of that particular moment and get above it and say, Hey, this is something that God's called me to do. This is God work. This is, uh, we have come a long way. You know, that, that, Larger perspective sometimes really helps. Mm-hmm. And I think also you have to look at it all in ultimately through the eyes of faith that you're not going to know the whole story really until the whole story is told. So like I, I think it, we can't tell what God is doing always with our stories. So I think that that helps me to have hope and faith. Mm-hmm. Well, and and I've heard so many families that say that were watching us and are watching us that I didn't even know. And so it may not just be that one little person that you're pouring into that will be the biggest difference. It could be the family next door or the people at work or, or whatever that are watching and saying, how could you keep going in the middle of this? How do you get that strength? So you just, like you said, you just don't know what God's going to use each part for. And a big thing for me is that God is in the process of changing my heart to become more like him. Mm-hmm. And nothing has done that more than parenting. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I understand his love for me, and I have an intimacy with him that would never have been there if it wasn't for our situation and our struggles. So I'm, I'm grateful and thankful. And the opportunity is not me making a difference on others as much as God making a difference inside of me. So our faith, our personal growth, what, Michelle, are there other factors for you that? Well, big thing for me is that um, one of the early things that we were taught to look at our son and not say, Oh, he's naughty, but rather, Oh, he's brain injured, changing my perspective of his behavior. Mm -hmm. And that helped us to not be, discouraged by his behavior or to feel like we're responsible for his behavior. Like it's not that he's um, smearing poo all over the walls and playing with it all the time because we're not doing something right. We're not correcting him correctly or um, helping him. And it's, it, it's something going on in his brain and his behavior is not because of me. Um, and he's not being naughty. He's not, He's not smearing the poo in order to get back at me or in some way hurt me. Mm-hmm. It's really him being well. Brain yeah, and that that to me goes back to an analogy that I tried to use with my other kids when because uh, we haven't the oldest is uh, brain damaged with fetal alcohol. Asking her to do things would be like cutting off your arm and then saying, "Now grow it back." Mm-hmm. It's not possible. It's yeah. not yeah. possible. And and to use that analogy, it's like it, it's broken. You can't you can't force mm-hmm. somebody, motivate somebody into doing something that's impossible. Mm-hmm. I think yeah. well, that's it's a great realization to come to. But we face one of the problems of, of parenting these kids is the judgment from others because they look and they see a ten year old, a twelve year old, a twenty year old, 
why aren't you controlling that kid? Why are you letting them do that? So the judgment we face as parents. So when you, <laughs> how do you deal with that? I resonate with that during one really difficult time. We ended up having interactions with different um, community caseworkers. And I could understand that from their perspective, they were used to dealing with parents who had parented birth children, you know, and so I could just tell that they were approaching our situation with trying to figure out what we were doing wrong. And it was very difficult. And sometimes it felt like you were um, mm, trying to not only get help for your child, but also needing to be careful to kind of vindicate yourself or um, monitor maybe perceptions. Yeah. Yep. How I get that. others were viewing you who really you wanted to be a help and advocate to you. Right. But I'm with you, Lisa. Mm. I think that um, I sort of wish that sometimes when your student's learning to drive, you have a little bumper sticker, student driver on board. I, I wish we gave a little bumper sticker or a tattoo on their forehead that said like neurologically atypical or something like that. So at least people <laughs> wouldn't judge me <laughs> that it's not, it's not a parenting issue, right? Yeah. That's mm-hmm. the hard part is, you know, when you've got, um, you know, brain injury from different, you know, whether it's fetal alcohol or genetic issues, you know, mental health issues or whatever, um, having that judgment from other people. And it, it seems like you almost have to get to a point where you're strong enough in who you are and you know who you are so that when other people are coming at you with that judgment, you can stand strong. Cause it, you know, I remember at one point in our journey, the judgment that I got from other people was actually harder to deal with than parenting with the extra challenges. I was going to say, because uh, one tactic I took and Lynn will remember this is that I, uh, my older boys, my three older boys did not understand why the younger girl was not just the typical, why are you not uh, disciplining her the same? How come she's still acting this way? All of that. And I had to bring them to counseling. <laughs> so, <laughs> let's talk about this. Let's talk about brain functioning. Let's talk about trauma. Try to educate them a little more. It's not the same as people who just at the grocery store, you can't do that. But um, I found that surrounding yourself with family members who understand is, is really important for me, for them to understand. And some, sometimes, especially with the older boys, until they have kids, they're not going to get it. <laughs> so uh, two more items the- to the list of things that help us to thrive, which is perspective. What's what you're saying, Anne, and also um, being surrounded by people who get it. Yeah. And sometimes that means in- in- educating them. Yeah. And if they'll listen, great. If not, man, I'm not sure that it's not time to cut that those people out of your life <laughs> yeah. to some extent. Not necessarily mm-hmm. cut them out, but I think you have mm-hmm. to, um, if, if you have family members who just aren't getting it, I think then you have to surround yourself and kind of create that family of people who really get it, you know, whether it's a support group or something like that. Mm-hmm. Well, so in addition to those ideas that have come out, Henderson, do you guys have things that you think have helped you get where you are today? Yeah. I think that uh, a lot of it has been uh, redefining success. Like we've kind of touched on a little bit. We've touched on it from the point of view of maybe other, other families looking at us and saying, why don't you do this? But uh, so the whole idea of comparing our, our children and where we, you know, the challenges that they have versus other, you know, stop comparing, redefining success. Mm-hmm. And uh, just changing our view of what that looks like, and not not letting other people 
define that for us. I think that's really important. Mm-hmm. And then just changing our own perspective on it. For me, uh, understanding this is uh, a different kind of parenting. It's a different style, being willing to learn that style and recognize that uh, my toolbox uh, has to change. That's been helpful and has given us kind of the perspective that we need to keep learning and keep adjusting. And uh, one size doesn't fit all. That's helped me a lot. I think trying to stay on the team also, you know, like I would definitely say we, I would also say that we've had a pretty strong marriage, but I would also say that some of the hardest things that we've faced, uh, even in our marriage has been when some of our um, approaches to some of our children really came from two different perspectives. Mm -hmm. And uh, I think Sometimes in dealing with kids, especially, you reach to the very core of the things you believe most and the things that are hardest for you to compromise on. Mm-hmm. And so in a marriage, it's sometimes hard to work out those things. So just trying to stay on the same team and realize that we each have strengths and we each have weaknesses and to use those for our good. Like Brad is very good at staying calm and bringing calm to a situation. So he's really great at de-escalating and he's had to help me with that. Whereas I probably can tend to be more um, intimate with the kids and try to understand what the, what's really motivating that behavior. And so sometimes then I could help him with that maybe and helping him understand what the driving force was behind a behavior. Something that Brad said that really touched me was he was talking about adjusting and changing um, measures of success. Mm -hmm. And I couldn't do that until I had really grieved. Mm. Uh, I think that grieving the dreams I had for what this child's future would be Mm -hmm. and what I really wanted out of our relationship Mm -hmm. um, was a key part for me of having the ability to change those measures of success and the goals. That's so true because grieving ends with acceptance. Mm-hmm. Right. And, and so, or at least it's part of the process when I can accept my child for who they are, I'm not so bothered anymore mm-hmm. when I realize well, that. And it's not just, it's exactly what you said, Michelle. And it's, it, it's, it goes even farther um, for us. Um, we, we have a little one in a time in our lives when we, you know, we're grandparents. Right. Mm-hmm. And, um, so also grieving and accepting that our lives, not just our children, but our lives are not what everybody else's, um, are, are and what they're going to be. And sometimes I can't even look at Facebook cause it's like, you're traveling, you're going, what <laughs> you're doing, what <laughs> we made it to lunchtime. That's a good thing. Yeah. We made it to lunchtime. <laughs> yeah. So sometimes I just have to quit looking cause it's like, Oh my gosh, you guys are living the life and we're in the trenches, you know, I have to, so true. it resonates with me because I think the people that I see that struggle the most are the ones who won't let go of what they wanted their life to be. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. 
And it makes sense. I mean, you, you know, like you said, um, you have dreams for your relationship with your kids. Um, you know, I always pictured, you know, this like, you know, mama, I love you. And, you know, we're going to hang out together. And then, um, you know, when you have a child who maybe because of trauma or whatever, um, or organic issues, um, just can't get close. It's really painful, um, because it doesn't look like that relationship you wanted. And even just the life. I remember at one point we were pretty homebound. Um, at that point it wasn't a quarantine. It was just because of a child's what they could handle. And, um, I just remember feeling sad that, you know, we couldn't even go for walks. Um, we couldn't do anything at that point because of what that child could handle. And yeah, I mean, I think grieving is just so important because you do have, you're acknowledging that this is different than what you wanted and you're, you know, processing through it to that point of getting to acceptance. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. Thanks, Dan. So, so how do we define success? I mean, if it's not based, cause I'm thinking the, the, the rut we get into, right. Is that we're defining success as my kid going to Harvard or, I mean, there's lots of different ways we can define it. What then, how do we f- define success and what am I basing my feeling of accomplishment? accomplishment? Like I've done it. I, I, when I look back and think I've done it well, what am I basing that on? If it's not the kids outcomes. I look at the number of opportunities I have taken advantage of or created in the day for him to connect emotionally with me. So and I'm evaluating at the end of the day, how did I do today? Um, was, did I engage? Did I interrupt him? Did I um, contradict him? Mm-hmm. Did I give him opportunities to realize what's in his mind is not what's in my mind? Mm-hmm. Um, did, did I spend time intentionally laughing over things with him and making him feel bonded and close to me. Those are the measures that I'm looking at at the end of my day and saying, am I doing these things with him? You know, it's really, um, a powerful, I thought when I've done been doing the best, it's because I I'm trying to judge my success based on my faithfulness, not my child's response because I don't have any control over that. There've been so many times that, um, I've explained, I've talked to other parents about that and they're like, well, thanks, but I still don't feel good because more often than not, I fail at those interventions. I, I feel like I, maybe even if I, I get it right five out of 10 times, I'm still messing up the other five or the other two, whatever it is. And so I still feel bad about myself. What do you say to those? I mean, how, what do you think about that idea? Maybe I'm, I'm not even successful based on that. Right? I'm not doing that. <laughs> that <good>. was grace. <laughs> grace. <laughs> Yeah. I think we tend to be very hard on us, on ourselves as parents, you know, mm-hmm. that we could do everything great the whole day. And then we yell that one time and it's like, it negates everything that we did that was positive. Well, I'm just thinking out loud as I'm, as I said that, and I wonder if we just can't apply the same to ourselves. I'm not going to base my success on my outcome, mm-hmm. but on my attempts that keep to keep trying. I still show up every day and sometimes I get it right. And sometimes I don't, but I can't, I can't say that I'm a failure if I don't always get it right. Even if I'm, but okay, maybe success is just that I'm trying. What do you guys think? Yeah. And that you haven't given up. Yeah. You know, that you got back up again and again and showing up means something, I believe to our kids. 
you know, I think I can see that in my kids that sometimes even like when you continue to try when it's the most difficult and they, I think at least for some of our children, not all of them, they can see that. And I think that shows them selfless love, even if I don't get it right. And then always there is the opportunity to go back and model humbling yourself and ownership of behaviors and needing different choices to our kids. And I think that there's some definite merit there. I like that because uh, that means it's giving me a great opportunity because if I did it perfectly every time, my kids would never learn how to recover from mistakes. So I'm giving (laughs) them a great opportunity to learn from my mistakes. So yeah, it's great. Well, it's a great relational tool because um, we all need Mm -hmm. to know how to apologize and to humble ourselves. And so what, what a great example we're giving to our kids. Oh yeah. And I think also that they feel like failures themselves so much Uh that in some ways it can make them feel a little more normal to see that like Mm -hmm. mom does that too, instead Uh of I'm the one who always messes up. Everybody else gets it right. That's so true. Cause a lot of Mm -hmm. our kids, um, you know, they're comparing themselves to other people and they start (laughs) to feel like failures and you know, a lot, you know, Mm -hmm. um, like kids with ADHD, you know, a lot of times people are correcting them, you know, stop doing that. Don't run there. So they constantly feel um, like they're doing something wrong and, and not doing well. So I think that, yeah, they need to know that we're all, we all mess up. I've been told I'm sick and twisted for thinking this, but even in any relationship, I'm really happy when somebody messes up because I'm like, Oh, you really blew it. Yeah. You offended me. You did a bad thing, but at least I know, cause I'm going to do that soon and you can give me the same grace I'm going to give you. So I'm just really happy you messed up. <laughs> I, um, I know, and that you have to leave in a couple of minutes. So I wanted to ask this question. Are you happy with your life? Absolutely. And I, I, I think when we look at, um, God has, uh, wants us to have an abundant life. Mm-hmm. I absolutely feel like I have an abundant life. And back to something Michelle was saying, um, I, I think that um, without some of the um, tragedies that we've dealt with, I would not be close to God. And I have learned in the last probably year to thank God for some of the worst times <laughs> because I feel like it just drove my faith so deep compared to where I would have been um, uh, some of the hardest times. I can now look back and say, I see what you were doing there. And um, I, I think it's our pastor one time said, when you give donations throughout the year, you buy this thing from somebody and you, you know, you pay so many taxes and all you do is complain about how much money you're giving. Well, that all switches when it comes to April 15th. You're trying to find all those times where you went, okay, now wait a minute, where did we pay taxes and where did we, and you're so excited and I feel like that's what we're going to be like when we're standing in front of God. It's it's tax day. And then we look back and go, oh, look at that. No, wait a minute. We suffered over here. <laughs> we were doing, you know, it's the, it's a whole different. Um, I'll never forget that because it makes me remember when that day comes, what am I going to be proud of? What am I going to say? I had a great vacation and I put it on Facebook. Or I'm going to say, we made it to lunch and nobody died. <laughs> <laughs> we sit here and we talk about this and, and, and we've, it, amongst the group of us, there are some hard kids represented. I'll just say that they're, they're, they're amongst the hardest mm-hmm. and some of the situations have been the hardest to, to, to deal with. 
given that, I, I look at your guys' lives and I still think that I would call you as thriving parents. He's done a really nice job. Are there ever situations that, that it's so hard that it would just crush you? I asked this because I was, we were in a seminar with Ira Chaznoff, a UIC medical director for um, fetal alcohol. He's a pediatrician. Um, he wrote the book, Mystery of Risk, I think. Anyways, an expert on this subject. And he was showing us some brain scans. And he, and he showed us this one, and the brain was particularly malformed, some missing, big missing components in there. And he said, this child is unadoptable. I'm like, okay. So... I don't know. I, that seems to thoughts. Is it ever so hard? And is it ever when we can't keep parenting them? Is that, ever, I don't know. That, those are the questions that come to my mind. You guys have any thoughts on that? I've been at the place a lot in the last year where it is impossible. Mm -hmm. Really impossible. Yeah. yeah. So that I have to be completely poured out before God, just a drink offering. I am nothing. And in those moments, that is the most precious time. That is the time when God says, but I'm still God. And I can do this. You can't do this. Right. And I'm so glad you recognize that. Mm -hmm. <laughs> because now I get to show up. And he has. It's been amazing. Just amazing. So that recognition that I can't do this. I mean, I, I have not the skills, the time, <laughs> the depth of expertise to be able to, to help. So, yeah. What do you think? Are there, there are there times that our kids just can't be a part of a family. The, is that giving up? No, I mean that has happened to us. You know, so um, we had a situation where uh, we had a child who couldn't be safe and be safe in our family. So, the honest uh, answer to that is. That's a situation that we encountered, and uh, we didn't go into it knowing that would be the case, or even suspecting that that was a possibility. You know, it was just something that happened to us. So, and I think there's a difference between coming to terms with the fact that a child can't uh, live safely in a home, and in giving up on that child. Yes. Right. Yeah. Yes. So for it, what we I feel like we managed to do this by the grace of God. We have tried our best to hang on to not only what do we, the other children in our home need, but what is best for this child mm -hmm. and trying hard not to compromise on either side, because um, I have always felt that one of the most difficult things about parenting children from hard places is when you're in a situation where one child needs is perhaps endangering other children. Yes. Mm -hmm. uh, that's just always been what is hard. I think probably the hardest situation in my opinion, relative to uh, parenting difficult children or children with difficult histories, perhaps yeah. is a better way of saying it. So we did reach a situation where for the safety of other children, we felt like a, um, a child couldn't continue to remain in our home. Mm -hmm. However, we, through the grace of God, were able to locate a situation where um, we're still that child's guardians 
and where he was able to live with supports that we would never have been able to provide at home Mm -hmm. and where we were able to continue to parent our other children. Mm -hmm. Um, We were faced with a situation where a very, very experienced therapist said to us, if you continue to have your other children live in this situation, you need to recognize that you were causing them to live in domestic violence and that will have ramifications in their lives. And the other thing that I would say really was helpful to us. We've been in a situation where we had to reach the decision to have a child be, uh, live in a setting outside of our home. And we have had a situation where we thought it would be best for a child perhaps to uh, go to a different situation. And in that situation, we felt like God closed the doors and slowly just changed circumstances to where we came to understand, no, this child is meant to be parented in our home. Mm. And we've seen a lot of healing there. Mm. So uh, for us, I think a lot of it is just continuing to walk with God and trust him to show you the way. It's too delicate of a situation. It's just too, too nuanced Mm -hmm. and too um, particular to each child and each family setting, you know, to apply any kind of broad stroke advice, except to say that, you know, in our situation, we encountered that experience. That's what it came to in particulars that we were living in. But we, like Lisa said, we have not given up on the, the relationship, but just the setting in which we're able to carry that out. And the very same things we've been talking about today about uh, redefining success and um hope for that child and a future in mind those are still the driving uh dynamic those still the dynamics that are at work even in that relationship still i really appreciate you guys sharing that story um um because i think that i mean we know personally of a lot of families who've had to seek um placement of a child outside of their home for the safety of themselves, their children, you know, the other children and that child. And, um, I just really appreciate you guys sharing that and just clarifying, because I think a lot of families who that that has happened to start to feel like they failed somehow guilty and feel guilty. And so I'm, I'm just really thankful that you guys clarified that's not giving up on the child. You know, you really are seeking the best interest of that child in that you know situation. In fact, it seems to me that in my personal life, it's when I, like you said, Michelle, try to take on more than God is asking to do. That's when I start to crumble. Mm-hmm. And so in your situation, when I try to do what is beyond the capacity of the resources that have been given to me to do, mm-hmm. that's, it, it's going gonna, it's gonna to crush you or your family. And so I think at times thriving means mm-hmm. finding the most appropriate resources available. And that's not always us. Mm-hmm. And maybe you know, it, whether that's out of home placement or that's... Um, bringing in extra resources, whatever, you know, whatever it is, but yeah, that's probably a key to thriving. And Brad said that, well, it's nuanced. It's a very challenging situation. I mean, yeah, it is. It's all. And I think as parents, we're constantly looking at our children and seeing what's best for them and trying to figure that out. And, um, a lot of times, um, like, you know, Brad talked about toolboxes and sometimes as we gain tools for our toolbox, we go, man, I wish I would have done this differently or that differently. Um, 
But, you know, a lot of times we have to give ourselves grace for knowing that at the time we've done the best that we could do. Did the best we could with what we had. Exactly. Yes. Exactly. And that's not doing it wrong. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> Although some of my kids want, want to tell me that. that, that was true. Yes. <laughs> um, okay. Any last thoughts? I don't know. I'll just throw in. Uh, it was 10 years ago from this very month uh, that the wheels first started falling off in uh, the situation that, w- that we were in with our child. And uh, so that's 10 years ago, 10 years, but it is still a source of uh, pain mm-hmm. and loss, mm-hmm. even though we're still engaged and involved. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, the reality of that hurting, but kind of the recognition land that uh, you mentioned of uh Hey, I, God's not given me the resources mm-hmm. that are required for this situation. Mm-hmm. And it's not a matter of effort, and it's not a matter of money, and it's not a matter of, it, there is nothing that, uh, uh, there, there is nothing that I could envision that God p- could provide other than an alternate kind of a situation. And so, um, but at the same time, God made us different people through that circumstance. He's uh, given us a different kind of uh, uh, going through that is part of what gave us a bigger toolbox. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, God is at work even in that. So I don't know how to encourage families who are in that kind of a situation, except to say that it, it doesn't always stay in that red zone. God uh, and God will show you whether he's going to provide you with the capacity mm-hmm. or whether he's going to provide you with some kind of other help. Okay. And it doesn't mean you're giving up your role. It doesn't mean you're giving up your commitment. It just means that you're going to carry it out in a different way than you envisioned. Mm-hmm. And that is part of redefining success. Yeah. That's part of that redefinition. I could not imagine 10 years ago this month, and I said it to people, I cannot imagine my life, the future, Mm -hmm. uh, if this goes the way I think it's going to go. I cannot imagine, because that that thought had never occurred to me that I'd have a child who didn't live in my home. I couldn't even conceive of it. I had to redefine success and understand that God was doing something that I couldn't control. And my job was to respond to the best of my ability and hold on to my commitments, but that carrying those out was going to have to look different. That only became true over time, but um, it has been a, it has been a journey and God has been faithful, but it has not been easy mm-hmm. and uh, it doesn't feel a whole lot better today, honestly. Yeah. But I would say the other side of it is that we reached the point of having peace with it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We we resisted uh, having to have a different living situation for quite a while. And I was really in prayer about it and just trusting and a certain incident happened. And I just felt like it became just instantly in my uh, circumstance, crystal clear. 
I can't continue this any longer. God gave us clarity, released us of the of the parenting environment that we wanted to hold on to. And we, we felt like we were released of that. And we had not only the freedom, but we had the responsibility, the obligation to everybody to find something different. Right. And we would say we weren't happy about what happened, but we were at peace with yes. what happened. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, and I, I think ultimately, I mean, regardless of the situation, whether the child stays in your home or not, ultimately it comes down to letting go of that expectation of what we thought things would look like and how we thought things would go and maybe the decisions our child would make and recognizing what it is, you know, that this is the situation we're in. This is the way this child is, you know, wired or whatever. And so we've got to just kind of adjust to um, this new way of looking at things to make it work. Good words. Thank you so much for your tips. Thank you for so much for sharing your stories. I know that there's a lot of vulnerability in doing that. So, so appreciate your sharing this so that others going through the same thing can, can process similar issues. Well, you know, we could literally end the podcast right there and it would have been worth the price of admission. The wisdom from you all and this group has been uh, amazing and just how it's challenged my own thinking. But we're not done yet. And so I'm going to make an abrupt transition because honestly, when you're living in hard situations like some of us have lived in, if you can't laugh at times, or as you were saying a little bit ago, um, Lisa, you kind of have to develop a dark sense of humor at times and and laugh about that kind of stuff. Now we've been sad together and we're going to continue to support each other and the parents listening to us uh, through moving to our tips and tricks section. But before we do that, I want to thank our sponsor. Today's show made possible by the coronavirus, slowing families down since December of 2019, making it necessary for Lynn and Jenny to stop traveling and for all of us busy parents to be here together today. So thank you to the coronavirus. And now that music means it's time for our tips and tricks. And these are just tips, tricks, products, things that have helped us be successful as uh, parents. And we are passing them along to you. So, Anne, why don't we start with you and hear your tip of the week? Well, so when you guys asked what uh, about expectations, what really came to mind was a phrase that I teach the folks at work, which is, is this something that's a can't do or a won't do, right? So what that gets down to, is it an ability issue or a motivation issue? And unfortunately, most of us tag others and our children with motivation issues when it really is an ability issue, right? Mm -hmm. So um, I'm reminded my husband was doing a uh, um, big production and he was asking for, he was doing some development and was asking for some giving at the end of one of his uh, sessions. And uh, he had a band up front and he was talking to the crowd and he had this band up front and this one guy, Michael, who um, is Hispanic was up there and there was some Hispanic folks in the audience. And he said, when I, when I do the ask, could you translate for me? Um, as I do the ask and Michael's like, no, no, I'm not doing that. I'm not doing that. And my husband's like, but you're up front already. You already do, you know, it's, it's really easy. I'll go slow. You just translate what I'm saying. I'm not doing that. I'm not doing that. And they went around and round about this. And finally 
my husband asked one more time and he said, can you please just tell me why you won't do this for me? He said, I don't speak Spanish. (laughs) (laughs) And he could have encouraged him and encouraged him and pushed him to do something he wasn't capable of doing. So I always think of that story in terms of the, you cannot motivate people to do things that they aren't capable of doing. And I think about that with our kids. You know, you can't just keep encouraging or punishing or doing whatever if they're just not capable. So I guess the can't do or the won't do is what I always go back to. That's awesome. I wish there was like a magic meter on our kids saying exactly what they couldn't do or what, what they won't do. Yeah, that would be good. Yeah. That's a good tip. Yeah. Thanks. Okay, Hendersons, what's your tip of the week? Here's something that uh, someone shared with me years years back when they were helping me understand uh, that I needed a different kind of toolbox as as a parent of uh, children who had certain challenges. And uh, they talked about the importance of uh, being able to calm down, to calm yourself down and to calm your child down. And it's not anything new, but it was phrased in a way that was helpful for me to remember. And it's, uh, it's the breathing technique, you know, and uh, you blow, you uh, smell a flower and blow out a candle. And yeah. that has just been, it's, it's picturesque and you don't have to be uh, very old to get that or very capable to get a smell of flower, blow out a candle. And, and so I'll, sometimes you're the parent and you have to do that, right? Yeah. And sometimes <laughs> it's your child and you're just coaching them. So there are times when I'll sit down with one of my kids and I'll say, hey, let's smell a flower three times and blow out a candle three times. And uh, just it's helpful. It's just a little tidbit, but it's something that I've used for, you know, probably 10 years. Nice. Well, it just helped me. I just did it. And I'm like, oh, I'm way calmer than I was a minute ago. It helps. It helps a lot. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Lisa, did Great. you have one too? Or are we moving on? Oh, no. I mean, like I had a quote that I'd love oh, this please. week that has helped me. And I think it speaks a lot to my adoption journey. Okay. Uh, the quote is, you are afraid of surrender because you don't want to lose control, but you never had control. All you had was anxiety. Oh, wow. And that's uh, just really good for me. You know, I can tell that I definitely have had to work through some control issues as a kind of mom of kids who have some hard things to work through themselves. Right. And so uh, it helps me, motivates me. Excellent. Good tip. Thank you. That's awesome. Yeah. I'm, I need to paint that on a wall or something. And then tattoo it on the inside of our children's eyelids. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. Okay. And Michelle, what's your tip of the week? <laughs> Sorry, I'm getting visual of the tattooing on the eyelids. Um, I used to always approach my son saying, like not saying these words, but with my actions and my, my um, way of speaking with him and the interaction I had with him, I was continually communicating. I want you to prove to me that there's intelligence in there that you're actually thinking. Mm -hmm. So for example, I had a book and here's my little guy and I would read to him saying, where's the red strawberry point to the red one, Mm -hmm. wanting him to demonstrate to me that he could think. And um, point to the green strawberry, whereas what I learned in relationship development and attachment changed the way I parented so that I read the same book, 
But instead of saying, where's the red strawberry? I would say, oh, I'm hungry. I'm so hungry. Oh, a red strawberry. Look, I see a red strawberry. And I would grab it out of the page and start to eat it. Oh, it's so delicious. Oh, wow, it's wonderful. Oh, there's another strawberry. Oh, it's green. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, And the interaction was all about me experiencing the the book with him and sharing my heart instead of him proving to me what he could do and that just enabled him to grow enabled him to learn nice very cool Uh, so my tip of the week is actually i've got two Uh, the first one just an idea that was given to me by guess what one of our panelists today years ago when i was really struggling with with um uh feeling like a failure as a parent i was really down and 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 I was sitting talking one day and I was commiserating about how I felt like a failure as a dad because some things that had happened with one of our kids. And um, she said, Lynn, even Adam and Eve had a pretty good dad too. And uh, look how that turned out. So I'm like, okay, I feel a little bit off the hook because I'm, I'm like, okay, yeah, I know I'm not God. But uh, so I feel pretty good about that. But the other tip is uh, a product and that's the Kindle. I, we, I love reading to our, son, our little boy, Sebastian. Of course, we travel. And so every pound counts. And what I love is when I find a book I like, the kids' books are now available on the Kindle. And so I don't have to have a library of books that they can rip up and shred. And I think it's, don't get me wrong, I think it's great for kids to be able to flip through a book. But I personally love the availability of all the books to be on the Kindle for, the, for a pretty little price. So Kindle kids' books, that's my tip of the week. Um, and how about Jenny, our self-care tip of the week? Well, I have a tip, oh, okay. a regular tip, Good. and then a self-care. So um, the tip of the week is um, I had a parent once tell me um she has um had an autistic son who was a little bit older at that time and she said um jenny it's okay to be a c parent instead of an a parent sometimes and as long as you don't you know every once in a while you might even be an f parent but um no you've never you have never been an f parent just just on the record for <laughs> okay, everybody. Yeah, <laughs> um, she was you know as long as you don't stay there you know mm-hmm. um but she said it's okay to just be average or to not be exceptional um, some days it's, it's just okay. Yeah. Um, I thought that was really good. And then, um, self-care tip is, um, I really think that sometimes if we spoke to a friend the way that we spoke to ourselves, um, well, we wouldn't have any friends for one thing, <laughs> <laughs> but I think that, you know, a lot of times as parents, we're really hard on ourselves. Mm-hmm. And so, um, just really giving ourselves some grace and some, um, just yeah and not beating ourselves up yeah for every little thing but speaking to ourselves the way that we would speak to a, a good friend so you shouldn't walk up to a, a good friend and say you're a really bad mom i can't believe how you really failed that today yeah no okay. no that would be good. that okay yeah, so look in the mirror when you get in the, look in the mirror this morning and you tell yourself what you tell your friend if they had done what you did <laughs> like okay you, you blew it but you're you're all right that was yeah. one time thing or whatever it was oh, or, you're a yeah. good mom or it's a really you're in a really tough situation yeah, you know okay. it's okay that you're struggling kind of thing. And there's our self-care tip of the week. Yes. Our self-care tips of the week and our tips of the week uh, will be on a special page on our website. If you go to our show notes and you can link to the self-care tips, it's canyonlakescounseling.com slash thrive. While you're online, why not subscribe to our podcast if you haven't yet already? It's available pretty much everywhere you get your podcasts at this point. And uh, if you want more information on Jenny's book, Dancing with a Porcupine, check out dancingwithaporcupine.com. It's available on Amazon. And if you're interested in following our journey of personal recovery after years of difficult and challenging work, then you can check out destination-rejuvenation.com. We hope to see you back here next Wednesday, but until then, remember, you are an amazing parent.